Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Dwan Bent Twyford. Dwan started as a broke single mom. Having flipped over 2,000 deals herself, she now heads up Investors Edge University, a company that specializes in training investors in real estate investing techniques through live workshops, weekly webinars, a member site, and seminars. Dwan is affectionately known as the queen of short sales and is considered to be the nation's number one expert on short sales and foreclosures. She has written three bestsellers, and her most recent New York Times bestseller was written with Steve Forbes. Dwan also has a podcast called The Most Wonderful Real Estate Podcast Ever, and I am very excited to bring this very sparkling, very pink, very delightful Dwan (laughs) to the Wickedly Smart Women audience. Welcome to the show, Dwan. Hey, thanks for having me, Angel. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, I am really excited that you're here as well. And I want to hear a lot about what was it like being a broke single mom and what got you moving out of that and into money-making momentum? Well, you know, I had one of those like life-crashing situations where I was sort of forced to sort of step up and do my own thing, or maybe just like cave in and go get a job and, and raise my daughter. So I had, I had waited till I was a little bit older. I had my daughter when I was 30. I was married. I thought, you know, I'm going to be the Girl Scout mom and the homeroom mom and the cookie mom. And you know, the, all the mom you know, that does all the fun stuff. And when my daughter was only eight months old, my husband and I had a pretty dramatic split up. But, and I swear, I tell people, I said, I swear to God, he left with the money, the car at 75 bucks on my purse. I'm in an apartment, but I have the baby. And I was like, okay, well, now I got to put on my big girl pants and I have to figure out what to do. So, you know, you spend like a week or two kind of licking your wounds. What happened? You know, why is this person gone? We have a baby, you know, and I just really start thinking like, okay, I'm 30 years old now. And I don't want to raise her in daycare and I want to work for myself, but I don't know what I would possibly do because I was planning to stay home and, you know, have babies. So I just really made a decision that I wasn't going to raise my daughter in daycare. That was really the defining factor was no daycare. And there's nothing against people that do daycare. I'm not ever begrudging that, but I waited till I was 30. I had this plan and I still wanted to do that, but I needed to earn income. And that was kind of my 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 moment where I thought, okay, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to figure something out. I'm going to make it happen. And I'm going to raise this kid by myself and screw him. And that's it. Well, so what I want to <laughs> underscore there for the listeners is that you made a decision. 
And you made a decision aligned with what you really chose for yourself was valuable. So, you know, I I had a, a little bit of a similar journey where my son, when he was born, it was an emergency C-section. You know, I had spent many years working, but when he was born, I got clear pretty soon thereafter. And certainly after I got divorced from my first husband, I call them husbands. I've had two. <laughs> oh, I love that. Husband. Okay. Yeah. I have two of those. Yeah, I, I have two husbands. I have two husbands. When I made the decision to get divorced and then ended up a single mom as well, I also was just really committed to, okay, how am I going to make this happen in a way that I actually can fulfill my own desire to be present, to be the mom with the, the brownies at the football game and all the things. Yep. So, so I just want to honor that. And yes, I agree with you. People well, who choose you. people who choose daycare, that's it's it's all a choice. The important thing I want to underscore there, Dwan, for our listeners is that you made a decision that you took responsibility for your own creation, for creating the life that you wanted to have. So I did. let's talk about as you made that decision, where did you explore in order to find the monetary flow that was going to be required? So I, I, I think it's important for people to know I'm 62. Okay. So back, I like that look of surprise. Yay. <laughs> so, so, and my daughter's 32 now. So you got to think back. And I know for a lot of listeners, they think back 30 years and they were not even born yet, but 30 years ago, we did not have the internet and we did not have the things like we didn't even have pagers yet. We didn't even have pagers. Okay, so the only place to look for a job or look for anything was in the newspaper in the classified section. So I kept seeing all these ads, you know, work for yourself, work from home, work from home. And I would go to these meetings. And at that time, so you're looking at, you know, like the like 90, everything was a multi-level marketing meeting at a big hotel with 2000 people there. And I was like, ah. So, I mean, I'm smart enough to understand multi-level marketing. We can be a lot of money. I, I'm in a few things where I've made money over the years. And so I take all my supplements and stuff. But I thought, no, I need something. I need something I can do right now. And I also knew that if I just took like a job, I'd probably be in until she was 18. Because I'd be afraid to not have a job. So this was like my make or break. So I thought, well, okay. I'm going to find something. And if I fail, I can get a job and she can go to daycare and whatever. But if I don't fail, then woohoo, you know, and I kept, and I just couldn't find anything. So, uh, I mean, I'm living on credit cards. I am in, in a dark place. It's really bad. It was really, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how I survived. So I meet these guys and they're at one of the meetings and they say, well, we're real estate investors. We buy houses and we fix them up. And we sell them. So my naive mind hears we decorate houses and we sell them. And I'm thinking, I have excellent taste. I mean, look at my studio. I could decorate houses for a living. I'm going to become a decorator. I'm going to flip houses. <laughs> and I had no idea that rehabbing and decorating were not the same thing. Like, no idea. <laughs> Oh, so of course, back in those days, you had to physically drive to the courthouse up in West Palm Beach, Florida. I had to write all the addresses down, use those big map books and find everything. And I literally went out and went door knocking with a baby on my hip, knocking on doors, thinking I was going to find someone in foreclosure. 
they'd move out, I'd move in, I'd decorate this house, it'd be spectacular, and I was going to make money. And it was going to be that easy. <laughs> you had and quite an imagination, Dwan. That was good imagination. <laughs> well, you know, I honestly, I think my biggest asset was I was so naive. Sure. If I had really known what living in a rehab and rehabbing and what all that was, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, honestly, that I would have been brave enough to take such a big risk. Sure. Tell us about your first deal. Like, so, so you are, you're doing the things to get to the deal, to get yeah. to the deal. I'm, I'm knocking you, on doors. You get to the deal and discover it's not about decorating. Oh. <laughs> so tell and, us about the first, cause the first deal could have made a break. could have been a make or break too. Right. You know, it's funny, Angel back, back then I did not know what a hoarder was. Oh. I'd never been in a house or heard the word. I did not even know what hoarding was until those TV shows came on about hoarders, which were, you know, which are like in the last, I don't know, decade or so. So my first house, she was a hoarder, but I, I didn't understand. I just looked in the house and there was like a trail through the house and it was just to the ceiling and the floor. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I couldn't even really see what was behind all of that. And so I never forget Barbara. Her name was Barbara. So she is in foreclosure. She's losing her house. Now I'm just going through this divorce and I also lost the house. So like I feel this woman's pain, you know, and we make a deal. She's going to move out. I'm going to live there. I'm going to clean it. I'm going to fix it up and I'm going to sell it and we're going to split the money. But after everything was out and the carpet was out and everything was scrubbed down and cleaned up, I thought, put some lipstick on this house is not going to make any difference. This house needs kitchens and bathrooms. It needs so much work. So now I remember talking to my dad on the phone. I'm like, I don't know how to do all that. What am I going to do? He's like, I don't know. If, you know, hire some handy. I'm like, hire handyman with like what money? So I legitimately started going to Home Depot and I took those classes. And I would go and I remember my very first class, my first Home Depot class was on a Saturday and they were teaching people how to lay tile. Now this is now laying tiles, like not for a first time person. Yeah. It's no and joke. Laying tiles, class, no joke. <laughs> I took the class. <laughs> I went and I measured the kitchen. I went back and said, I need this much tile and this much grout and spacers. And I tiled a whole entire kitchen floor as my very first tile job. And then I looked back and it was, and it actually, I remember really, super perfectionist about like every little space, every little thing. So it really looked good. But looking back, it's like, what was I thinking? Starting like a, a bathroom, maybe. I did the whole kitchen, the whole thing. <laughs> but it looked really nice. So then I did the bathrooms and then I learned how to put in toilets. And at night when Ayla would be sleeping, I would be putting together kitchen cabinets and screwing cabinets together and making screens for the windows and I would just be working on all these things and I, and I rehab 90% of the house by myself. I had to get a little help with the electrical. Uh, I still to this day, I just don't get electricity. I still find myself, I get shocked. It's like, okay, I don't know what I'm missing here, but it's not there. <laughs> so electrical, but I can do plumbing. I mean, it's really it's amazing. I just, in my own house here last week, my sink, something happened to my sink. My husband was out of town. I was like, ah, and I just got under there and fixed the sink. And my mom's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Fixing the sink? I don't know. I fixed 10,000 sinks in the last 30 years. <laughs> Why am I calling a plumber? So uh, the house got done. 
And it really did look good. And you know, it's funny, I look at your background. In the late 80s, early 90s, mauve was like the hottest color. Mm. So everything, I had the custom-made blinds, everything was mauve. The paint, the carpet, the t- like mauve everywhere. Because <laughs> that was my color. And uh, I put the house on the market and I sold it right away. Like the second or third buyer came in and bought the house and I made $22,000. You go girl in profit. And I was, and I was like, oh my God, I have $22,000 in the bank. Cause I had never even had a thousand dollars in the bank. And I was like, oh, I'm rich. I'm rich. I've got $22,000. I'm rich. I'm rich. And I was so excited. Okay. I'm doing this forever. All right, so we are going to take a quick break, but we will be back with Juan. And because that was so fun to hear about your first $22,000 deal, really awesome. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, definitely consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. And I want to shout out this week to our listeners. Well, let's see, we added two more countries since the last time I uh, did a show. So we're now up to 81 countries. So we're going to shout out to our listeners this week in... Aruba, Sri Lanka, and Belgium. And we will be right back with Juan Bent Twyford. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Dwan. And before we went to the break, she was telling us about how she did her very first deal and made her very first $22,000. And so I want to dive in a little bit. But before we do, I want to dive into that experience of suddenly having a lot of money and making the decision to keep going. But before we do, I want to let everyone know where they can find out more about you. So you can just go to Dwanderful.com, D W A N. D-E-R-F-U-L.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. And Dwan, what are they going to find when they get to Dwanderful.com? Well, for the folks that go opt in, I'm going to send them four free eBooks to kind of get them on the path to real estate investing. I'm going to send them a book on scripts and talking. I'm going to send them the eBook I wrote with Steve Forbes called Success Onomics. I'm going to send them an eBook on how to flip houses and how to do short sales. Beautiful. So it'll kind of open their eyes and get them on the path if they're interested in real estate investing. Beautiful. Well, let's talk about a couple things. So I am guessing 
that at this point in the journey, you are not doing the tiling, the plumbing, the carpeting and all the other things. I'm sure at this point in the journey, you are hiring out a lot of that. But I I think I want to ask you two questions. The first is, what did you need to do internally to allow yourself to stay in momentum and keep going with this business, number one? And number two, to be able to hold that amount of money and continue to expand your ability to hold larger and larger amounts of money. Because I'm guessing by now, Dwan, that you're probably, you probably have a whole team and you're flipping multiple houses at once and all the things. Yeah. I'm flipping a town. You're flipping a town. Are you freaking kidding me? Wait, my husband and I invested in a town in Clinton, Iowa. We bought 15 buildings. And we are in the process of rehabbing 15 buildings. (laughs) I said, I don't know what's wrong with it. Because, you know, we've been doing houses forever. And I was like, oh, let's do some commercial. And over the last two years, we bought 15 buildings. So we have commercial, uh, storage units, lofts, like just everything you could think of. And so we are literally fixing up (laughs) Flipping a town. <laughs> oh my God. Well, of course you are, because who wouldn't be flipping a town but Dwanderfall? That town's getting Dwandified. That town is getting Dwandified. I start telling people, like, oh, yeah, we bought a building, then we bought another one, then we bought two more, and then we bought three more. And like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, you can't just flip a town. And it's like, well, why not? Like, why can't I? Of course we can. We're doing it. So we are working on all these buildings in this town, but we're actually going to keep all the buildings. Um, But we've opened up four businesses all since COVID started in some of our buildings. And we're just like making stuff happen. (laughs) Uh, You apparently are. So let's talk about what it is that you have done yourself internally to stay in momentum on pursuing your own dreams and making things happen that other people would think is impossible. So, you know, I have to be like really honest. My first couple of deals, I really loved rehabbing my first two deals because I was very angry at my ex. And I found that by ripping things apart, sledgehammering and crowbarring and tearing things to shreds, it worked through all my anger issues. So truly, I was like an angry rehabber. <laughs> On like the first three deals, I really was. I was just like, now you rip it. And I thought, wow, this is like, I feel so much better after these houses. And then after like the next couple of deals, I started recognizing because, you know, like the anger was gone and and it wasn't, it's not that I didn't still need money, but I wasn't destitute. I started paying more attention and realizing that most of the people that I was helping, they were also women whose husbands had left and they had kids and they were in a situation I had been in. So I thought, okay, well, I can help these women. So I would tell them what I did. Say, hey, here's what happened to me. Let me help you. And you get your life started fresh. I'll give you money. We'll make money. And we'll split it all up. And it'll be wonderful. So then I started helping people. And then after, it really is so weird that I started teaching. I only had like 10 deals under my belt. And I started thinking, well, I was fired from Denny's. I was fired from all my jobs. If I can make all this money, anybody can do this. So I started running little ads in the paper and having like 10 people come to my house and doing these tiny little seminars and saying, listen, there's so many people in foreclosure in South Florida. You know, if I do 
10 deals and every one of you do 10 deals. We can help a hundred people. And I started like getting people out there. <laughs> I didn't even, honestly, looking back, it's like, I, I, I didn't know nothing to be teaching somebody else, but I had a heart for really helping people in distress. And I guess that's never gone away because I've done over 2000 deals at this point. And now we're working on this town. That's a very distressed town. And it's like, okay, well, let's just help the whole town. Like, why limit it to a few people? Let's just help the thousands of people around the entire town. So I, somewhere along between being destitute and working through my anger and recognizing, I really started just wanting to help people. And I just kind of figure if like, if you help people and do good things, it will come back to you. So it wasn't very long in before I didn't even really care about the money as much as helping people because the money was really coming in fast. Yeah. Like really fast. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that piece because I think it's really important. I know that many of the people who are listening to this show are either entrepreneurial mm -hmm. or they're aspiring entrepreneurs, or maybe uh -huh. they're sitting in the corner office thinking about, okay, it might be time for me to quit the corner office and step into entrepreneurship. Or they've had, like, I had a spiritual awakening that took me out of the real estate industry and it was uh -huh. just a huge calling. Like I had, I couldn't yep. say no kind of thing. But, you know, many people, especially when they go from broke to suddenly being in a massive inflow of money, you know, just like the lottery winners or those, the ball players or whatever, they often it falls apart on them because they don't have the ability internally or emotionally to be able to either keep the money getting invested yeah. so that it's growing or at the very least, you know, hold on to it. They just go out and start spending it on no. kind of what I was know, fungible the exact stuff. opposite. I had this little baby. So if you know, now, so what I did is I would buy a house, I would move into it and live in it with Ayla, fix it up, sell it, and move. And I did that till she started kindergarten. And I was making like fifty, sixty thousand bucks on a deal, but I was so terrified of being broke again and not having money for her. I didn't buy anything. I drove an old car. I drove, I didn't buy anything. I didn't spend any money on anything because I, I didn't have, I think I didn't have the, the confidence yet that I still couldn't go broke. Like, you know, I was doing well. I'm like, okay, I, I could see myself doing this all my life and, you know, making money. And like, I don't know how I would end up super broke again, but you know, people ups and downs. I like the 2008 crash. Half the people I know in real estate went broke. And I just, and I wasn't stingy because I can't stand like cheap or stingy people. I just didn't buy things. I just invested. And when I bought things, I bought a rental. And then when I had enough money saved up, I paid cash and I bought another rental. I thought, okay, if I buy rentals and everything falls apart on me, I have these rentals. I still won't, because I was still terrified of having to work for somebody else. Especially after I'd had, you know, Ayla's in like first, second, third grade. I've had like eight years of freedom here. So I really, honestly, I was investing for like over a decade before I bought my first new car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and before I even like, I, I bought a brand new house. I just, I was, I didn't want to be broke. Yeah. Well, but what I'm hearing there, Dwan, is that you were stewarding yes. and you were, you, you weren't sitting on it. You weren't hoarding the money. No, no, no. Because you were investing. investing it into your business. You were making investments to do the next deal, but you were 
you were stewarding the money, yes. which is a I which was. is actually a wealth mindset. So what's and interesting was, is was, that you went from a broke mindset to a wealth mindset and you skipped I right did. over abundance. <laughs> and I, I really did. And I had started going back to church at that time. So I started tithing. And I was like, so I was always tithing 10% of everything. And so, and I took a couple, my church offered a couple classes on like money management. So I mean, honestly, I had, I had no, in my twenties, I just worked in bars. I had no money management skills, but now I had this child and I was like, you know, you just want to do better. So I took a few classes at the church and I was tithing and I was investing though. I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy a rental and I'll buy another rental and I'll buy a rental. So but let me tell you, I have to say just a really funny, as I never tell this on a podcast, but, uh, and I don't know why, no, I guess people don't ask the questions, but the very first time I decided, okay, I'm going to go treat myself to something and I'm not going to look at the price tag. I don't care. I'm just going to buy something. So I was walking through the mall and I always really loved sunglasses. So there was this really expensive pair of sunglasses that were like 500 bucks. And to me, even though I had like three rentals and this was like a really big splurge, you know, and so I, I take these glasses and they're animal print. I mean, they're so beautiful. So I take them up to the front and they're like, you know, 520. I was like, no, I said, I'm going to buy myself something. I've been working for like five years. I buy these sunglasses. Now at this time I'm driving a convertible, but it's an old used convertible. I don't have these sunglasses two weeks and I'm driving down the highway and I turn around to look to cut traffic, but I looked out too far and they sucked right off my head onto the street. I look in the rear view mirror and I see this truck run over my sunglasses. I was like, $500 just got crushed on the road behind me. They sucked right off my face. <laughs> I remember thinking like, I'm not going to buy anything stupid and frivolous anymore because I was so upset about that. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> that, what a great that story. That was my first big spend where I, I actually didn't look at the price tag and they were gone in a month. I love it. Well, <laughs> we are already at the end and what oh, I no. want to, it's so fast. What I want to underscore from that little piece, that last little piece is that's another level of like really being a wise steward of yes. the money, right? On the one hand, don't be stingy with yourself. But on the other hand, even when you're investing in yourself, invest in yourself in a way that is going to be wise and not just, you know, something that can be destroyed easily and thrown away. So I love it. I love how you how much respect you have for money and for yourself and for all that you've done. It's it's been a beautiful, beautiful time with you, Dwan. You oh, and I can you, talk Dwan. for hours. You have so much energy and you're so fun. And like I definitely am so impressed by your courage. I'm impressed by your tenacity. I'm impressed by thank your you. creativity. And oh, I love you. how much of a pioneer you were as a woman in that part of the real estate industry. So I just want to applaud you. Five claps for Dwan and her wonderfulness. And uh, listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes. Or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at Wickedly Smart Women. Com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading and listening. 
Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.